Greetings, friends. It is the weekend of Sunday, December the 4th, and it is the second Sunday of Advent. And today we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Very familiar text on John the Baptist. So in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. As we approach the Christmas season and look forward to God coming to us in human form, Jesus, the Savior, our, our Advent thoughts turn to what we have to do to prepare for, for this event. And I, I first think that I must prepare myself with an honest appraisal. I have to be honest about my shortcomings, where I've missed the mark. The Bible calls this lack of perfection sin. So I look, I look at the sins that I've committed, both large and small. There's really no difference. And as the gospel told us last week, we never know when the hour is coming. And we must be prepared to meet Jesus wherever and whenever we may meet him. John the Baptist wants us to prepare the way, and he's very specific about how to do that. Now, this isn't a beating ourselves up, right? The waiting of Advent, it is, it is a turning our lives around. But if I'm honest, I don't really like to hear the message from John the Baptist. You know, he's, he's asking me to total up my sins, and to be frank, I can't count that high. You know, he's, he's asking me to think completely different completely differently about my life and the path that I'm going down. He wants me to turn around and go another direction entirely. Well, I've been kind of contemplating and thinking this week about this sermon. And, and if I'm honest, it's, it's, I want to make sure that John the Baptist just doesn't get out of control. The problem is he is the poster child for out of control. But I've been trying to kind of clean him up, right? I want to give him a shave, put on some good clothes teach him how to eat with the fork at the dinner table, forget this locust and wild honey stuff. But he's dangerous. He's wild. He's out of control. He, he doesn't live by the rules of polite society. And he 
And as a preacher, to be honest, I'd just rather not have to deal with him. I, I don't want to preach like John. I'd, I'd rather be able to tell you charming, slightly amusing stories about my own spiritual journey. I'd like to wrap the gospel up in this nice bow and, and offer it this beautiful and interesting gift to you without making anybody uncomfortable. It is a beautiful and interesting story. But it is also scary, and it's full of really uncomfortable thoughts, like all those sins that I'm supposed to total up. Then I remember what I was taught, what, what, what we as Christians um, are to do when we proclaim the Word of God, and that is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. So, so I'm able to look at what John says about sin and repentance and think to myself, maybe, maybe we don't talk about these things often or seriously enough. I'll admit, every time I've tried thinking about only beauty and light and warm fuzzies this week, John the Baptist sort of keeps messing things up. He just won't fit in the box of safe, predictable, comfortable religion. He wants to afflict us, remind us that we are sinners, and that repentance is the medicine for which he insists that we hold up our no- we hold our noses, we pinch them and take in big doses, big gulps. He insists that God is up to God-sized things. He's shaking things up. He's asking us to think for ourselves. Maybe he's asking us to come up with a mission statement or maybe a vision statement. Well, not not really. He's he's okay with just concentrating on pushing us to repent of our sins. We meet John the Baptist at the beginning of each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and each of them, he's, he's the hype man. He's the advance man for Jesus. He comes into the territory and gets people ready to hear what Jesus is, is going to preach. He's kind of a first century interim preacher. He's the warm-up act. He's wild and hairy. He's badly dressed. He wanders out in the wilderness eating bugs and honey, but he delivers a simple message. And he's he's saying that God is about to do something big. And John does not want us to be facing the wrong way when it happens. You see, that is is what all the talk about repentance in the gospel uh, about this week, the gospel text is about. It's about which direction we're facing. It's about where are we going Christianity is is about being on the move. We are a people on the move. Bannerell Christian Fellowship is on the move. We are being challenged as never before to do something maybe new, to move in a new direction. And when we read the scripture, it is amazing how many times God's instructions to people are to get up and get going, get moving. Abraham was having the big old time in Ur when God came to him and told him, pack up his family, move out. Moses was hiding out in Midian when when the burning bush sent him into Egypt to confront Pharaoh. And we have our own version of the burning bush. it's, It's in our gathering together because of and through the Holy Spirit to see where God leads us as a church, as individuals. A favorite Old Testament character, Elijah, was hiding out in a cave because the evil queen had the whole army after him. And God showed up. He listened to Elijah complain about the miserable working conditions when one is called to be a prophet. And then he told Elijah to get out of the cave and get back to work. 
Jesus began his ministry by inviting two fishermen to follow him. At the resurrection, he appeared to two other men walking to Emmaus and traveled with them. On the road to Damascus, he appeared in blinding light before Saul and sent him off as perhaps the most important traveling preacher in the history of the church. Of course, we know him as Paul. Our faith is a moving faith. It's a traveling faith. It's an on-the-road faith. In the early days, it was actually known simply as the way. And so when John the Baptist shows up shouting at us to repent, he's telling us to head in a new direction, off to a new way. In both the Old and the New Testament, the word for repent means to change direction, most literally to go back the way we came, to return to something, in other words, that we left. And the message of this in every Advent season is to prepare for the coming of the Lord, prepare for Jesus. And preparing for his Advent means being passionate about repenting of our sins. So what are we really passionate about? Are we passionate about hating our sins and destroying the destructive and habitual practices that separate us from God? Do we deceive ourselves like the religious leaders of John's day into thinking that maybe it's our status in life, or in today's world, our, our baptism is an excuse to, to sin. How often do we, do, we, do we model repentance in our homes? I mean, we all make mistakes. We'll, we will discipline incorrectly. We'll say hurtful things. But when these things happen, excuse me, when they happen, what do we do? Do we, do we hide it, hoping that our children and spouses and friends and neighbors and others will forget? Or do we face it and turn around in the right direction? Because for all his screaming and wild appearance, John the Baptist is telling us the most basic message in all of Christianity, and that is return to God. We feel the need to return to God because God was not lying when God said in the book of Ezekiel, but if a wicked person turns away from all his sins that he has committed and keeps all my statutes and does what is just and right, he will surely live. He shall not die. None of the transgressions that has, he has committed shall be remembered against him. For the righteousness that he has done, he, he shall live. Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn away from this and live? So here's this John the Baptist out in the desert preaching to everyone who's around. He's, he says, look, God was not lying about coming to judge. You, you know all the places in the scriptures where the rabbis read about justice and righteousness and wicked and the wicked getting what is due to them. God meant it. He, he, he does not ignore the wicked and evil people. He does not ignore those who turn their back on him. He's coming. He is going to burn up the wicked people like straw and, and husk of wheat. So we better get on the right road now. It's easy to see why John the Baptist can be a bit irritating. I mean, after all, here we are surrounded by Christmas decorations and carols and commercials on TV about the joy and the bliss of buying just the perfect gift for someone. And and John the Baptist comes yelling at us about repentance and winnowing forks and, and the fires of hell. It's, it's easy to ignore messages like this. It, it might even be easy to discount them as sort of this raving madman in the wilderness. It's even easier, if I'm being totally honest, to assume that the real target of the message is somebody else. You know, I don't have to try too hard to look around and see someone who I think or whom we think is a little more out of step with God's kingdom than we are. And if we put our mind to it, we can, 
we can think of people who could use a little holy fire, right? It, it's easy and tempting to say that John the Baptist came preaching for those people. It would be easy to do that if John the Baptist would just be quiet. But you see, he didn't say, I'm, I'm just here for the big sinners, you know, the, the, the Hollywood, the Washington, the L.A., uh, you, you know, scandal makers, sexual assault predators, drug addicts, Wall Street thieves, gang members, terrorism. He, he didn't say that. He did come to all the peoples, as the gospel reading today says. He, he did tell them to repent, to confess, and to get baptized. They were, they were all manner of sinners, as are we. But the so-called good people showed up. And the gospel says that the Sadducees and the Pharisees came out to see what all the commotion was about. And they found John the Baptist, and he, he took one look at these people, and, and he just lets them have it. This is not what they were expecting. They were the religious elite of Jerusalem. They, they were the serious church people. They did what God said. They never skipped worship. They prayed beautiful, heartfelt prayers. They were from families who had been important Jewish people all the way back to to Abraham. And John the Baptist took one, one look at them and called them a bunch of snakes. He knew that all their outward religion could not hide the parts of their lives where they pushed God out or ignored what they knew God desired. John knew what the Old and the New Testament say over and over and over again, and that is we all fall short of the glory of God. We all sin. Now, perhaps like us, the Sadducees and the Pharisees' sins maybe were not big and dramatic and out in the open for everyone to see, but here's the trick. When when we're moving, when when we are going along a way, even the way, when we are constantly in motion, just, just a few small steps can take us far, far off track. We start going down the right path, the right path with God, with, with Jesus. We follow Jesus for a time, but, but then we take just one step off the path and, and, and look, I know I shouldn't do this, but it's not a big deal. And, and, and a bit further down, we take another step and then another and another. And with each step, we find ourselves moving farther and farther away from the way, from the path, from the road. And before, before we know it, we're, we seem to be over here in Jesus who we started following. Well, we can't seem to find him or see him. And before we know it, we've lost sight of God's way entirely. We, we might still go through the motions, but the power of God's spirit, well, it seems like it's all but gone. And John the Baptist came to meet the world in these places, in the wild and the barren places, telling us, hey, repent, go back, get on the road again. So let us, during this season of great expectation, seek to find the one who first called us to follow him, the one who still walks beside us, who guides us back to the way and the road home. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Amen, and God bless.